Welcome to the Grace Chapel Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're encouraged and built up in your faith as we dive into God's Word together. Enjoy the message. Well, let's just honor the Lord. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, your tender care, and your watchful eye over us. And we thank you, Lord, for this lovely, lovely community of faith, this household of God, these people that you care so deeply for. And thank you for your redemptive power. We ask you, Father, that this morning that is we interact with each other and share, we pray that there's something that lays hold in everybody's heart that will help them, minister to them, give them something that they can take and use that will increase their life. And Father, we ask you, Lord, that they can leave here a little bit different than the way they came. They can be empowered by the gospel and your love and grace in their life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's such an honor, really, to be here and, and to, uh, I love this church. I, and I see so many dear friends. I saw some of the first service and people that some of you don't know, some of you I've known for years. And I kid people all the time. I say, I'm just like the banana. I'm glad to be one of the bunch. And uh, so I just want to share some things with you that I have in my heart. And uh, we'll take a text here in a little bit so it'll be legal. And. Uh, <laughs> Good to see. It was good to see Dr. Bob Averson and Nancy. I, I, we go way back. Uh, I'm only 38 years old. I've just, I've just, I've just been that way for 30 years. So, you know. <laughs> but uh, I just had it in my heart today. Let, let me just give, recommend a book to you to read. It's called The Bible. It, it's, it's a real good book. I think you'll enjoy it. This sister. So, but. Is there right if I just talk to you out of my heart a little bit? And God laid this in my spirit, and and uh, I'm so grateful. But I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the church. I found out after the first service that uh, Pastor Brian was telling me, and the rest of them were telling me that uh, y'all been doing a series on the church. So uh, if if this doesn't mesh with you, just believe what you heard before. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 10,000 comedians have a job, and I'm trying to be one. But listen. <clears throat> but thank God for the church, the body of Christ, the ecclesia, the, the, the called out ones, the people. You are the church, right? Yeah. And uh, I thank, thank God for that. And, and as we, we talk about the gospel message, you know, the, the Bible is so simple. I used to say it's so simple it's taking theologians years to confuse it for us. It's really one story about redemption. I mean, there's several things in there. You can make the Bible say anything. I mean, you can preach anything. You can proof text anything. You can, uh, you know, I can even Bible flip and say, you know, Judas hung himself. Go ye and do likewise. What thou doest, do thou quickly. I could, I could form... I could formulate a doctrine that would really mess me up. So, but uh, there's a lot of wonderful things in the Bible. But the truth is, from, from Genesis to Revelation, it is one story, one theme, one message about redemption. It's the story of God wanting to draw all people to himself. 
The Bible says for this purpose. Now, listen, I might as well tell you, I confessed to the first service. I brought this Bible from my office. I didn't realize it. And it's got the smallest print of any Bible I've ever seen. And so, if you see me doing this, uh, I'll use that for a prop right now because I don't know if I can read that. I'm just kidding with you. Just right. Anyway, but uh, so, but it, it's one thing in one message, and that's redemption. God loves people. Tall people, short people, fat people, skinny people, ugly people, pretty people. God loves people. And how many know that sometimes people are the hardest things in the world to love? But, uh, I mean, I look in the mirror every morning. I can't believe anybody don't love that. But, you know, there are people that, you know, and everybody loves you until they don't love you anymore. But the truth is God loves everybody. God loves people. He's in the people business. And the Bible tells us that in the fullness of, of, in the dispensation of the fullness of time, that's, you know, regardless of your eschatology and what you believe that when the fullness of time comes, when everything comes together, every dispensation, the fullness of time said, God wants to gather all people to himself. So the eternal purpose of God is to draw people to himself. And, 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 and so um, the Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. One translation says that he, can, that he could put, uh, liquidate the devil's activities, drive the devil out of business, put everything under new management, right? And so, so the, the, the whole eternal purpose of God is to gather people to himself. So what I, what I like to say is this, is that it's not missions, it's mission. Missions is not a biblical term, it's a secular term we use, but missions is really just the way we do the mission. You know, every church has uh, its own character, its personality, its, its call, its vision, what it drives to do in the community. But the truth is there's a singular mission, and that's to draw people to himself. God is the originator of that mission. He's the instigator of it. It has one purpose in mind. And so, so God started this thing because he loves us. And, and, he, and he wants to redeem us. And, he, and then if God's the originator of the mission, then Jesus is the message of the mission. I mean, you know, the, the, the apostles preached the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't preach a bunch of side issues. Uh, there's a lot of stuff you can preach in that. But Jesus said, if I with the finger of God cast out devils, you know, the kingdoms come to you. Jesus had a singular message. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Nothing was made that was made without Him. One fourteen said, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld Him in all of His glory, full of grace and truth. He was a living expression of the Father's intention. And so Jesus was the scene event. He was the preview of coming attractions. They saw Jesus came and he said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Amen. So, so Jesus, you know, we get all excited about the Lord coming again. I do too. Every once in a while I have rapture practice. You know, I just jump up hoping one day I'll go up instead of down, you know. I know the Lord's coming back again. How many are excited about that? He is coming again. But he's already come once. Yeah. 
He came a little over 2,000 years ago. And between his first coming and his second coming lies the mission of the church. That's to occupy till he comes. That doesn't mean just to take up space. You know, there's something we should be a part of, something we should be doing and, and living. So God's the originator. Jesus is the message. And he said, you've seen me, you've seen my father. And so, so the message of, the, uh, of Christ is really good news. We call it the gospel, right? Well, what is good news? What's good news to a poor man? He can get his needs met. What's good news to a sick man? He can be healed. What's good news, what's good news to a depressed person? They can have peace. What's good news to a sinner? Is there's a, there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. He can be born again. He can, he can live and have the eternal life of God inside of him. How many glad about that? So the good news of the gospel is the message of Christ. In fact, uh, there, and there's only, there's only two things that give you access in the earth. That is faith and service. Faith gives you access to God. The Bible says that we have access into this grace by faith wherein we stand. And, you know, we're saved by grace through faith. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast, right? So, so we access God through our faith. But we access people through service. Jesus, Jesus told us, he said, so look, the, the word faith, the definition of the word faith is the word pistis or pistos, which means a firm religious conviction that God told the truth or believing God told the truth. How many of you believe God told the truth? Well, you have faith. And it is, in Hebrews 11, 1 says, faith is the substance of things so important, the evidence of things not seen or the conviction of its reality. The truth is believing God told the truth is the substance of everything you hope for. And believing that God told the truth is the evidence of everything you don't see, the conviction of its reality. How many love all 66 books of the Bible? So, how many believe that Jesus was the Word made flesh? Right? So, how many believe that Jesus told the truth? How many believe that Jesus was a living expression of the Father? He said, you've seen me, you've seen my father. I and my father are one, right? So that lets me know that believing that God expressed himself accurately in Christ is the substance of everything that I hope for. And believing that God expressed himself accurately in Christ is the evidence of everything I do not see and the conviction of its reality. And Jesus being the first apostle sent us. He's the chief apostle and the apostolate is the sent ones. God sent us and he said more, greater works are more the same should you do. I go to my Father in heaven. So how many believe that we have a commission from Christ to show, for, show forth Christ in the earth? How many are with me so far? So God's the originator of the mission. Now I have to be so simple I understand it. So, it, it, I'm worth waiting on. So, if you, you know, if you're already there, just wait on me. I'll get there in a minute. God is the originator of the mission, that singular mission. Jesus is the message of that mission. And the Holy Spirit is the empowerment of that mission. Right? 
So that simply means, it means this, is that how many believe that Acts 10, 38 says, Christ whom God hath anointed with the Holy Ghost went around doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So, so the, the, the Trinity, and I'm not here to teach on the Trinity, but it, the, the, the mystery of the Godhead or the gospel is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, is that it's, it's the, it's, they're God, they're three and one, singular in purpose, but diverse in their function. 1 Corinthians 12 gives you a clue to that. It says that God operates. In other words, He's the CEO. He operates. He's the Father. He's the, he's the originator. Jesus administrates those giftings. In other words, Jesus is the head of the church. He is the administrator. He is a faithful son in all his house, like Moses was a faithful servant in his house. So Jesus is your high priest. He's your intercessor. He is your Lord, right? And he is the one that your Savior. How many know the message of the gospel is clear? For the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18. How many believe the power of the word of God or the gospel? So Jesus administrates. He, he intercedes for you. And the Holy Spirit manifests. The manifestations are of the Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit has a threefold commission. And a part of that commission is to take what belongs to Christ and communicate it to you. He's the paraclete. He's the comforter. He's the, you know, all the different titles we have. He's our, he's our peace. He's our, he's our helper. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit or the power of the Spirit is what broods on that, and the Spirit of God manifests things. So, God operates, Jesus administrates, the Holy Spirit manifests, but the manifestation is given to everybody to profit with all. So, what belongs to us is the manifestation of it. God does all this stuff to manifest the gospel so we can partake of the manifestation of it all. Amen. God wants to show up. God wants to show himself off. How many believe that? So Jesus said, listen, I'm sending you the same way the Father sent me, John 14. Now listen, so, so I'm, I'm getting to, a, I'll go ahead and give you the, the text, but we're not there yet. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, give you time to look it up. So God's the author, he's the originator, Jesus is the message, the Holy Spirit is the power of the mission. But now I want to get to where I really want to get to, and that is the church. Everybody say the church. The church is the carrier of the mission. We are the agency, the change agency. We are, we are the manifested place that carries the mission of God to people. That simply means that every believer is a minister. Amen. I said this in the first service, I'll, I'll say it again, is that don't ever let your occupational environment dictate your spiritual placement. A lot of times what we do, we have that doctrine of the Nicolaitans or the deed of the Nicolaitans, that, that oppressive spirit that says you're unable to participate in the holy things of God. And we elevate certain giftings in the church and we tell everybody else they're disqualified. 
Now, I believe you should respect one another. You should, you should honor authority, all those things that you hear taught. But I'm not teaching about that. I'm talking about you. Everybody say me. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you are a called minister of the gospel. You are empowered by Christ. You are a part of the church. You are a living being in the church. Amen. And so, so the, the issue becomes, a lot of times we disqualify ourselves or think less of ourselves because we don't carry what is emphasized as the fivefold ministry. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Those are giftings. Our problem in the modern day church is we associate people by their gift not who they are. And so I had a prayer line. The best way I know how to describe it one time is I had a prayer line and I came down in, in church one day and there was a lady there and she was shaking and crying. And I said, what's the problem? And she said, I don't feel qualified. My husband's called to pastor a church and I don't think I can be a pastor's wife. And I'm scared. And I told her, I said, you can't be a pastor's wife. You should have looked at her face. What? I said, you cannot marry an adverb or an adjective. You don't marry a description. I said, you married a man. She married, you know, he married a woman. No more than you can be a truck driver's wife or administrator's wife. Or you cannot marry, you don't marry an adjective. Your husband is a man called to do a function as a pastor or a truck driver or your wife is called to, you know, to be a bookkeeper or whatever. Listen, you don't marry the occupation. You marry the person who's in the occupation. Now, the occupation might affect the demeanor and gait of your life, but you aren't disqualified because you don't understand the adjective. That's worth the price of the ticket right there. You need to relax and realize that when the anointing lifts, we deal with one another. Not your giftedness. Your gifts and calling are without repentance. But how many know we are messy creatures? Thank God for His faithfulness. In the midst of all of our spiritual infidelity, God remains faithful. How many know we all mess up? The Bible said, you know, we got... He said, forgive 70 times 7 in one day. And they said, Lord, increase our faith. How I many know it's, it's sometimes it's hard to uh, uh, understand that redemption and the keys of the kingdom are restorative. They're not punitive. Bringing people along. So, uh, you are a minister of the gospel. So, the truth is, you are the carrier of the gospel. I didn't ask you what time. Uh, when do we land the plane on Okay. Say, we land the plane when we walk out. I said, okay. That's no. I tell people, you get finished before I do, go on home. But no, I'm just kidding. God forgive me. Anyway, so, so you, you as a person are a minister of the gospel. Now, let's, let's demystify that a little bit. What is ministry? Ministry means to improve someone's life. To bring them from a lower estate to a higher estate. That's all that Jesus did. 
Now, besides dying on the cross and saving us and all those important things, what he did in the rhythm of his service life as he was manifest as the Son of Man in the flesh, being the Son of God, he served people. Well, how do you, service gives you access to people. Faith gives you access to God. So, when I come into your life, my objective should be, how can I improve your life? When I meet with you and I leave, I want you to be better off than the way I found you. And that's what Jesus did. Whether he was healing, you know, walking on the water, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, or teaching, preaching, correcting, directing, his whole mission was to make people better off. And the way I get to your life is I, I have to find a way to serve you that gives me access to you. So I want to split the matrix. I want to get into your life and your, in your boat some way. And my whole intention is when we interact, I want you to be better off than the way I found you. That's what ministry is. So the church, as the carrier of the mission, that means that the world is the target of the mission. Right? So the great commission or the commission of Christ or the, uh, I call it the heavenly consignment, we're in joint union with the Father to do a common goal and share a common reward, and that is to, to, to affect people with the gospel and improve their life. So you're qualified. I had a good, friend, a good friend of mine, Tony Miller, would always say, he, he would always say, you know, you were born original, don't die a copy. You don't have to be somebody else. Be who you are. Everybody say, he's talking about me right now. Look at somebody and say, I'm God's favorite child. Amen. When you go to pray, you don't have to wait in line, do you? Millions of people be praying and you start praying and you immediately have God's attention and you're in his heart. You're God's favorite. Is everybody okay? You say, well, where are you getting to? I'm glad you asked. You found Ephesians yet? So, we're talking about the, the church being the carrier of the mission. The ecclesia, the great expression. Acts 1.8 says that you receive power after you see the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall show me forth. You shall, you shall manifest. You shall cause the world to witness me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, other parts of the earth. In other words, we just need to show forth Christ in what we say and what we do. You know, you can be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, ministry of health, whatever your title might be. You can do your spiritual giftedness in any occupation that you're in. That's what Paul did. He was, he'd make tents and talk in tongues and write two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, you know, he could bring home the bacon and cook it up in a pan. I mean, he could do it all. So, you fit. You fit in the body. Now, the, the issue becomes Ephesians 4. Let's talk about that a little bit about you as the believer improving someone's life. Chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. You pray I can read this right here. It said, I therefore, the prisoner of, uh, uh, of the Lord. Is this okay with everybody? I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, I beg you, I ask you to consider that you walk worthy 
of the vocation. Now that word vocation is the word klesis. You can't read my writing, neither can I, so. Our calling, right? You walk worthy of the vocation or the calling. That word vocation has a root in it from Latin and French, which means a career. Like a racetrack, a track. How many know that everybody in here has a career? You have a track to run, a life to run, a purpose to fulfill. So your occupational environment doesn't dictate who you are spiritually. That's just where you buy your bread and oranges and where you work. And, and so he said, I want you to walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. You have a clasis. So I want to talk to you about five things real quickly that every believer possesses. Five things that every believer possesses. How many know you all have, the, we have the same amount of muscles in our body? Now I know this is hard to believe. I look at this fine gentleman here. You look pretty svelte. I used to look that way years ago. I tell people I suffer from muscular amnesia. My muscles forgot where they belong and they all hang around the middle, you know, but, but one day. Now, but do you know what? We have the same number of muscles. You have muscles in your body. I have mine, the same number of muscles. You don't have any more muscles and I don't have any more muscles than you do. But they are exercised different. They are resisted different. They function different based on how you've exercised them. But you all have the same. So every believer has five spiritual things that God put in you. Whether you've exercised them yet or not, they're in you. You qualify. Look at somebody and say, I qualify. <clears throat> so he said, I want you to work, walk worthy of the vocation or the calling. The first thing you have is a calling, an invitation. Even to get saved, you were called, you were invited. God didn't just grab you, demand it, dunk you in a tank and say, now you're a Christian whether you like it or not. No, he invited you. And you had to respond to that, right? So God has an invitation to get saved. He also has an invitation for you to express yourself with other people. There's giftings and callings in your life. You don't have to be like anybody else. You have an invitation. With all loneliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Oh, rats. You mean we got to love everybody? Yeah, I know. I started to scratch that verse out, but, you know, I guess it's in there, so we'll have to deal with it. In other words, we have to be walk with a quiet strength. Don't believe our own advertisement. Don't get haughty or whatever, but be long-suffering. Be very patient forbearing one another, preferring and bearing one another in love. So we're going to love each other, right? So in this invitation, you're walking in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now that's the attitude that we should have, right? There is one body. Everybody say one body. One Spirit even as you are called into one hope of your calling. You have an invitation. You have a calling. One Lord, one faith. So he said, he said you're in the, the hope of your calling. He said, 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all is above all and through all and in you all. How many know that everybody has Jesus in them? All right. But unto everyone, everybody sees he's talking about me right now. But unto everyone of us is given what? Grace. So not only do you have a calling, but you have a charise or charis. You have a grace. Paul said, I am what I am by what? The grace of God. So you have to understand that every one of you have a particular grace, a favor that God's given you to, to begin to function in what you do and who you are. And so when I surrender to somebody, if I'm in relationship, say, with Dr. Bob here and I surrender, I'm not surrendering to the man. I'm surrendering to the grace that's in the man because submission finds grace. I'm surrendering to the grace that God's put in him. I, if I'm going to connect with you submitting to one another in love, that means I have to surrender to you, not the rapper, not your personality, not your culture, not your language, not your... I surrender to the grace. If I'm going to find what grace you have in your life, I have to surrender to the grace that's in you to find it. That's why it's important to surrender, to submit to one another. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. God's going to have you do things you can't do on your own. He already knew that, but he has given you the charis. He's given you the grace. And every one of you have that. Is this all right? Is this helping anybody? So you say, well, you know, I don't feel called to ministry. I want to settle that right now at 12.06 on Sunday, what is today? October 2nd, I call you in Jesus' name to the mission. So now every one of you are part of the apostolate. You've been called. So about anybody ask you if you've been called? I've officially called you at 12.06. Every believer. Everybody say, I'm called. Now, I have, but how I'm going to grow and function is I have to learn how to surrender to grace. Find grace. You are what you are by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. He said, he said uh, but unto every one of us given grace according to the measure. Everybody say measure. So I have a metron. Why do I write on a whiteboard? Well, I guess because it makes you look more smarter than what you really are. But you know what an expert is, don't you? Drip under pressure. Listen, <laughs> never mind. Quit trying to be funny today. Everybody say measure. I have a limited portion. I have a metron. Paul said, I don't press beyond my measure. I'm not trying to be what everybody else is. I'm not trying to do what everybody else does. I'm going to be content doing what I do and who I am because that's the measure or the metron that's in me. I am graced within the measure or the metron of who I am. And by that grace and through that gifted and that calling, if I respond to it, I can affect and change people's lives. Monday through Saturday. Because I'm not just a Christian on Sunday when I clean up good. Is everybody still with me? 
Paul said, that's why I don't compare myself with, my, with others. He said, you become unwise. I know you after the Spirit. There's, there's a measure. Wherefore, he said, now how many know the Bible said that Jesus was given the Spirit without measure? He has the fullness of the Spirit. Wherefore, he said, when he ascended on high, when he, when he rose from the dead and he ascended after his work, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. What are those gifts? And it goes and calls me first descend so and so. And he gave, these are functional gifts, some apostles, some prophets, some, some uh, evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. We call it the fivefold ministry, right? But that's not special. I'm not saying it shouldn't be respected. And I'm not saying that an occupational, uh, like your, your, your pastor or whatever, your ministry might require your full-time attention so you get fed out of that because that's your occupation. But your occupation doesn't define who you are. God defines who you are. You can be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and, and be a construction worker. You can be a teacher. You can be a, any expression in the earth occupationally, don't minimize who you are by your occupation or think less of yourself spiritually. That's all I'm trying to say. He said, I've, I've given these gifts. And he said, what are these gifts for? For the perfecting of the saints or for the forming of the saints, for the work of the ministry. I give those five expressions, really those gifts are five expressions of one mantle. It's the mantle of Christ. He's the chief apostle. That he is the apostle. He's the prophet. He's the, he's the pastor. He's the teacher. But there is an anointing and a grace that comes on you. God will anoint you. And, and what happens is that's, an, that's a mere expression of who Christ is. And that's given to you for one singular purpose. That's given to you to come into somebody's life and minister and care for them and improve their life and perfect them for the work of ministry. Every believer is called to the ministry. The F.F. Fenton translation says he's called us and he's given these gifts to equip the saints to make them members of the holy fit for useful work instead of instruments of error. I love that. So, so the, the point is, is that you, that you have a measure, but these, these gifts are given to you that are, that are given to perfect the saints for the work of ministry until something happens. And we're going to have to hurry here because time's running ahead of us. So we have giftings or gifting. How many know that uh, you have certain abilities God gives you. Giftings. They're without repentance. The, the giftings and calling. So God gives you giftings. You said, what are my gifts? That's a lesson for another day. But you do have giftings. Look at somebody and say, I'm gifted. I'm, I'm extremely gifted. Maybe you hadn't found it yet. Maybe you haven't exercised that muscle. But you have giftings. There's one, two, three, four. Every believer. Everybody say he's talking about me right now. He said, 
he said, but everyone is, he said, he said, I'm giving you these giftings and I've given these people until, until we all, everybody say every one of us, come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a mature or a developed man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he said, listen, this process that we go through and the reason that you have these things is to get the body whole to where we are a replication of all the dimensions of Christ. When people see us Monday through Saturday or at church or wherever, they see different expressions, but they see Christ in his fullness because everybody has developed in the five things that they have. It's Christ in you. That's the ecclesia, the body of Christ. I'd, I'd run, but I'd have, to, I'd have to take short route. Listen, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge and of, the, of the measure of the, of the stature of Christ, that we are no longer children. We're not tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, so on and so forth. But preaching or speaking the truth in love, we may what? We can mature, we can develop, we can grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body, everybody say that's us, fitly joined. Everybody say fitly joined. The last thing I want to tell you that you have, you got a lot of more things than this, but these are the ones that I'm talking about, is that you have a function or a supply. You have something to give. Look at somebody else say, he's talking about you right now. Turn to somebody and say, I fit with you. Somehow, some way. I don't know if I want to, but I do fit with you. Amen? So he said, listen, when you're coming together, the objective is, why are we going through discipleship? Why do we go to church? Why do we worship? Why do we fellowship? Why, why are we joined together? Because we want to paint a mosaic picture of the fullness of Christ as the carrier of the message so people can see that and say, I want that. I don't want to beat my family. I want to love like they do. I don't want to be a drunk. I want to love like that. I, don't want, I want to escape this, the wages of this, which is death, and I want, to, I want to grab a hold of what I see pictured. You're a living expression. Turn to somebody and say, he's talking about me right now. And he said, the reason that we do that, can I have just two more seconds? He said, but we speak the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted that which every joint supplieth. Everybody say, I have a supply. According to the effectual working and the measure of every part, making increase of the body and the edifying of itself in love. And, and so that's the testimony of Christ or the fullness of Christ. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop it with this, this example. I'm picked on you, so I'm gonna, you look safe, so I'm going to pick on you again. I can't outrun you, so you got to be safe. I want you to hold, hold your hand out. If I grab your hand and hold it, 
I can move it any way I want to. I have control, dominion, tyranny. I can make you do whatever you do, right? It's not hard to follow me, is it? Because you're being jerked everywhere. You're being demanded. But the Bible says we should not, not by dominion or tyranny, but be compacted. So hold your fist like this. Now, follow my hand. Come on now, follow my hand. It's hard, why? Why? Because we are disjointed. We are not compacted. Now put your fist out. But if I press into you, and you press into me, we're compacted. Now you can move everywhere I move because we're enjoined by surrender and submission to the grace that's in each other. And when joints are compacted, then there's a free flow of supply. So I want to be compacted with you, not disjointed. God doesn't want the people in the world to see a carrier of the mission that is disjointed, it's not connected, that's atrophied and doesn't work, that's mad and mean with everybody and say, oh, I want to be a part of that. Some people, some Christians, you'd have to want to be a masochist to join them. And if you have a supply that I need and God has for you to give me, I'm not going to get it from him. I have to be compacted with you to get it. So you have something important. Let's all stand. I used to say stand to our feet, but where else would we stand, you know? Everybody stand on their hands and let us pray. Is this helping anybody? We're compacted. And how do you get compacted by the way we talked about before? That you surrender to the grace. And you don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Yes, we should respect authority. Yes, we should defer to one another and all those things that we teach. But for us to be a visible body, a full flourishing body that carries the mission to a world that needs to clearly see Christ, we have to know that everyone's important. Everybody has something to offer. And we need to split the matrix of the community. It doesn't matter if you don't carry a Bible and spit on the first two rows of the church, yell and scream. And you don't have to do that to be a minister of the gospel. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. When I was younger, I did a lot more of that. But that's not the essence of the gospel. You're important. You fit with each other. You are the ecclesia. You are the church. Thanks for joining us. And thank you to our Grace family who have been generously giving in to this ministry. For more information about our church, please visit gogracechapel.com and give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram with the same handle at gogracechapel. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.